Hey, welcome back, Real Talk listeners. We are going to continue the momentum. I know last episode you got a little bit of insight into where is everyone, but Michelle, I think we found everyone. What do you think? I have to tell you, sometimes I do hear that question, where is everyone? And I internally laugh because I know a vast number of people who are looking for jobs, who are great employees and great people, and yet they can't or haven't found a job. Yeah, why is that? It's a big question. What is going on? So let's talk, let's talk some specifics. And some of my examples come from the world of HR because, well, I know a lot of HR professionals, but they're not all HR related. Uh, you, we have worked with several people since mid 2021 who went through more job interviews than I have ever heard of in my entire career. And guys, I am old. I have been around for a minute. And I've seen people cycle through dozens of interviews. They are ghosted or ignored completely from the beginning. You know, in some cases, it starts from the beginning, completely ignored, no follow-up. In other cases, it is ghosting. You get to start the process, but you never get any further. And in more cases than I care to admit to, There's also no follow-up or no contact based on why you did or did not receive the offer. Now, I also know some folks that have gotten really good feedback through the interview process, but typically what I'm finding is that in those cases, it's usually senior leader or senior executive positions that they're applying for. And Again, I also want to want to be able to address some reality here is that in the world of recruiting, the higher the position typically means the fewer applicants. So as you might assume, the closer you get to a frontline position, you have significantly more applicants. So there are pieces of this process that it makes sense they wouldn't get direct contact. Dude, they're all using ATSs, applicant tracking systems that, well, maybe not all of them, but a whole lot of them that have the ability to do emails or communication, like texting is a thing in really good ATSs at this point. So there's really no logic behind the struggle that people are going through to get the job. So Maria, what do you think is happening? So I think it's a multitude of uh, aspects. I think there could be some where we talked about in the last scenario where maybe people took a hiatus and took advantage of the unemployment or the benefits that governments were offering across the world. 
Um, and then when they got back into the workforce, they may not necessarily have updated their resume or recalled how to update their resume in the most kind of unique way to technology that has been updated with the a- applicant tracking systems or ATSs that are, you know, kind of self-identifying individuals. Because I'll tell you, there's individuals that are more than qualified for a position, have modified their resumes and have immediately been rejected within 30 seconds of applying. That just tells me right there, there's a robot reading the applications and you, it, it is missing or not identifying keywords or as a recruiter, you haven't entered in the right keywords for the position. So I think massively, quite honestly, I think when you take a look at some of the more professional positions, that's where it lies. Because I think or uh, the recruiters are weeding out candidates and they aren't fully educated or debriefing with the business about what they are truly looking for. Because there's some really great talent that is truly being missed out there because of uh, the screening process. You talk a little bit about ghosting. What are we dating? Is this the new era of dating while you're trying to find a job? Like, do professional people really ghost you when you're looking for a job? Like, that's just crazy. Oof. I actually want to cringe every time this um, this comes up. But again, in the situations that, that I'm referring to now, these aren't just clients or people that we've worked with. In some cases, it's people that I've known for years, people that I will probably people that I would absolutely work with now or in the future. And in these particular cases I'm referring to, we were talking about professionals. So again, I want to go back to kind of that frontline position. You're typically going to get hundreds of people, well, not anymore, but we're not going to have direct contact with every one of those folks. But the people that I'm referring to were professionals um, or, or office professionals, in which case, in most cases, you have narrowed to less than a handful of people before you get the hiring manager involved. As a result of that, it is inexcusable that you can't reach out even through email to three people to say, we've, um, you know, thank you for your interest. We're looking at or pursuing another candidate. We'd love to maybe keep you in the future or leave that part out if there's no chance of hiring them in the future, right? It's unfathomable to me that you would let someone go through either a Zoom interview, I'm not talking about the pre-screen, a Zoom interview or an interview with a hiring manager and would not follow up with that person. Now, here's the great news. Not every person on the planet wants the recruiter's feedback on why they didn't get their job. But if you simply make that email notification or phone call notification to that person and let them know, then at least they get closure. And that's the ghosting piece of it, right? The idea behind ghosting came from the concept that you were romantically or intimately 
involved with someone, whether it was a friend in an intimate relationship or a romantic relationship. And then out of nowhere, they just, it was like they fell off the face of the planet. They didn't respond to you. Um, They wouldn't follow up with you. They don't respond to your text. Don't answer your phone calls, whatever the case may be. And those are the exact situations that I'm hearing from people. I'm going to call them in middle management. So like I said earlier, I've seen different responses from senior leaders or senior executives, but typically those are professional independent recruiters in a lot of cases. But at that middle level, what we're seeing is you go through that Zoom interview and then you're told, you know, we have multiple other interviews. We'll follow up with you by the end of next week, whatever that is for your company. And then there is no response. And the folks that in the examples that I'm using, again, we're talking about business professionals. So if you're ghosted or you don't hear anything and you really are looking forward to having a job, most of these people follow up. And so then it goes to, that's where that ghosting comes into. I have followed up with you and yet I continue to get no response. You said you would follow up by Friday. It's been two weeks later. So Maria, ghosting in recruiting is so freaking real that it's frustrating, particularly for recruiters that are good at their job because it's happening enough that the entire specialty of recruiting is starting to get a bad rap. It's true. And I, I mean, I understand there's a lot going on. There's a ton of positions to navigate. I just think interviewing in general is stressful for some people. So your emotions before you even get to that person are already involved as much as a relationship. Well, maybe not to, to that extent, but your emotions are heightened enough to be impacted when you are ghosted, right? So I think it's frustrating because you don't it's it leaves you in a place of like, is it is it them? Is it me? Like literally questions you ask yourself when you're in a relationship. <laughs> it truly is because there's no answer. There's just no answer. And unfortunately, if you have that happen um, with more than one company, the company situation aside you're now, it now reinforces that it's you, the applicant, even though that may not, may not be the case. Because Maria, like you said about the people that you know, the folks that I'm currently talking about or the people that we have supported, I've absolutely encouraged people to apply for stretch assignments or to think about different fields or different areas within a business if their previous skills and experience would translate to that area. Like I'm not usually going to recommend that someone who is really great in sales applies for an HR job unless they have some sort of HR background. So even in those cases, we, we you and I at Real Talent, 
we tend to keep it very real for people and look at their skills and experience in relationship to the jobs that we're applying for. And these folks are not applying for catapult positions. They're not applying three and four or even one and two levels above them. In some cases, they're applying for lateral roles because they left this job, thank you, COVID-19, and they need a new job. And it's, it is, I would say, taking significantly longer for professionals to find jobs than it ever has in the past. It is. You know what's also funny is I literally have a friend of mine and she is actually looking for a part-time job. And she's applied for the most entry level positions at like a Walmart or, you know, uh, you know, some sort of grocery chains. And literally, she has the most impeccable customer service and she is getting rejected for being overqualified. And she wants a part time job to supplement a lot of her income because a lot of things have gone up like groceries, like daycare, like some other aspects. And her job hasn't increased. And it's interesting because even the essential functions have those signs, like you mentioned, yet they are turning down some of the most well-respected, most credible individuals that I think are out there from a hiring perspective. It makes zero sense. It's great that you brought that up because we actually have an example of someone that we have worked with who, for similar reasons, was intentionally looking for a low stress position. And we talked about that on the previous podcast when people who had been in previously high stress positions, a lot of them were just like, I don't want it anymore. Um, And this person was absolutely looking for a low stress position. Absolutely, based on their work history, overqualified to do the job. I hate that phrase more than anything in the world because... It's almost like it's a backhanded compliment. Like you're more than qualified for the job would be one thing, but to be like you're overqualified for the job is to be another. And she, in the interview process, had to literally break down an explanation of why she was looking for this job in order for her to get the job. She did get the job, but she had to go through the entire process of my previous job was incredibly stressful. I know I'm overqualified. I don't know what to tell you. I can do all of the things that you need me to do. So basically what you should be saying is, yes, you are qualified for the job. How do I know you'll stay? Because that's the big question when it comes to overqualified is there's a fear that you're going to have to replace that person when they find a better gig. But like you said, with your friend who was looking for a job to supplement their full-time job, like people put, pull down, you know, logical, the logical part of your brain and say, of course they can't work two full-time jobs doing their full-time job is who has that much time. So obviously they're going to have to look for something different as a part-time gig. There's probably also some non-compete clauses or conflict clauses that are part of their employment. So they have to go in a completely different industry, perhaps. Just put on your thinking cap for one second and ask yourself, why 
is the person looking to work here? That's ultimately the question. So Maria, you had mentioned that you think often we get into trouble because we rely so heavily on this automated process that just screens people out that I think we've gotten to a place where our goal is, can I screen them out versus are they right for us? Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, the screening process um, is a little bit too trivial in the world of work right now. I think there needs to be some reassessment over that because like I, like you mentioned, I think there's more deeper questions, you know, than just looking at someone's resume. Like you said, they could be overqualified for the position, but right now people have been battling burnout for years and they are over it. They want to take a step down or have a less stressful position, or they're looking to pivot outside of a career that they've been doing for the last, you know, so many years. And I think, you know, the entire recruitment process needs to be reevaluated because people, there are candidates there. I think they're being weeded out before conversations have happened. I think there have been weeded out after conversations have happened, but with no explanation or follow-up or feedback. And I think there's a more opportunity there to adjust and pivot the entire recruitment process moving forward. And I know there's people in recruiting listening to this, and they're probably just like flabbergasted about what just came out of my mouth. But yes, I think it needs to be revamped. Like back in the day, it was like, why don't you come in face to face and have some conversations and apply in person? Then we went to the internet scheme. Then we tried using keyword searches through ATSs and automation. I think we need to even take things a step further than that now. Don't ask me what it is. I think that's for the entire talent acquisition departments, uh, you know, globally to identify it. But I think people, the talent is there. They are just overlooking them in the entire recruitment process. I happen to agree with you. And there are definitely some recruiters in the world that are thinking that we should be quiet. But here is what we know without question. It is clearly not working. If you cannot hire and fill your positions within a reasonable amount of time with someone who is capable of doing the job, then clearly something about your process is broken. Now, Maria mentioned in our previous podcast that it's time to take a thoughtful, strategic approach, but that starts with looking at your business. And the same applies here for your talent acquisition team. You know, I mentioned earlier that it feels like the recruiting process is about screening people out, not picking the right person. And I'm not going to list for you the 9,000 reasons that that doesn't make sense. I'll give you two reasons that doesn't make sense, or maybe even just one will do it for you. If you have 50 people apply for a job and your goal is to screen people out, it means you got to talk to all 50 of them. If you go into this from the perspective of screening someone in, um, you are likely to get there significantly faster and find someone who's a better fit. But you've got to be honest about where you are. I spoke to you a recruiter recently about the pre-screen process. And when I asked the recruiting team to tell me what the goal is in this pre-screening process, they actually said their goal is to weed out the crap. 
And I thought, first of all, you guys know I'm pretty direct. So I suspect that has something to do with why they were being so direct with me. But um, let's just put a tiny spin on that. Instead of having a recruiting team who believes their job is weed out bad choices, why not approach it from a perspective of your job is to find the right people. So there is a distinct chance that you don't even realize the dysfunction that is your talent acquisition department. I suspect, based on what I know about the company that I, that I was referring to, that that was not what they thought they established within their recruiting process. However, it is what their team took away from it. And so, again, be thoughtful. Identify where you are and what your gaps are. Because if you're not filling positions, something you are doing is not right. Love it. That's what everybody needs to focus on. I think we need to take a look, stop, assess, and reassess what we're doing and pivot. Mic drop. <laughs> Let's just all pivot. I know. Um, that could be a great t-shirt. You know that, right? Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting. We make it sound so easy. It's actually a lot more difficult, but it's also very simple to just start implementing changes in your organization. Right. Guys, it goes back to the thing that Marie and I say all of the time is that Simple doesn't mean easy. What it means is that assessing, evaluating, and adjusting, that's complicated, right? But the steps within that become very complex. So you need to get your teams involved. You might need to go external with an organization to help you with it. Your your team might be too close to what's already in place for them to look outside of the box, but they might not be. Sometimes your best resources are the people that do the job every single day. It's the reason I asked, in the example I used earlier, it's the reason I asked the recruiter's opinion because I wanted to hear what they thought was and was not working because often you get great answers just by doing that. So... Start with your teams, have them do some introspection, um, have them assess what's working and what isn't working, and then start to brainstorm some solutions. There you have it. Where is everyone? We found them, but you need to find them too. So I think that wraps up our our mini series. And I hope you all have gained some additional insights. So go out, and find your people and be creative and innovative in your hiring techniques and your employee experience, quite frankly. And if you need some more advice, reach out to us and we are more than welcome to give you our advice uh, or help you through that process. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.